welcome to the Discuss with Andy podcast. Here I am discussing a new topic with Andy. Andy, how are you? Yeah, very good, thank you, which I think is what I say every week. <laughs> half term, nice opportunity not to have to teach two and a half hour remote lessons. So I sort of filled that gap instead by talking to you remotely. Nice, well I appreciate, appreciate you giving up your time. Uh, how's Mason? Mason is good, he's settled in very well. Mason is the new dog. He's very popular in the park he's a very handsome boy um, and he's very well behaved. That's good to hear, that's good to hear. So what's our, what's our new topic today? We're going to look at technology in sport and we're hopefully going to do that without, other than the mention I'm going to give it now, we're not going to mention VAR. <laughs> okay, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's fine. I'm happy for you not to mention a, a VAR. Can't even say it properly. So let's start with a with an opening question. How important is technology in athlete performance? That's an interesting question, isn't it? Do the athletes succeed because of technology, despite technology? Is it part of the mix? What's your view? Well, you're actually throwing the question at me to start with. I am, yeah. I'm an I'm a technology fan. I like it. Um, so which bits of technology, if you think about you developing athletes, was bit of technology you found most useful? Oh wow, you are throwing questions at me. This is not this is not the way this works. Discuss with Ollie this week. <laughs> For me personally, uh, I I use I use well known apps when I'm running, and um, I find uh, keeps me motivated. I've used yeah. lots of different. Uh, types of uh, types of technology with students. Some have been more successful than others. Uh, some are just a distraction. Um, some are a bit gimmicky, um, but some, you know, I think have have really good uh, have good really good results in engaging people. Not necessarily the top athlete. Um, sometimes they're just people who are interested in sport. Um, Realise they're not going to be top athletes, but but enjoy the the, the technology side of of sport. Yeah, which is probably why. We're seeing a lot of people moving into things like performance analysis who might not have been brilliant sports people themselves, but they understand technology's role and are really interested in that. So where do you sit, Andy? Where do I sit? I look at it, if I look at it from the top level and I look at it at the grassroots, I think the grassroots rise, there is a role for it in terms of if I'm coaching a session, if you've got a phone with you or an iPad, You've got the opportunity to give immediate feedback and show people what they've done. So I think it can be a really useful tool there. I think at the grassroots level, again, being able to show players footage of actual games, what's gone right, what's gone wrong, can be useful. So I think it's it's got a role there. I think you're now seeing GPS trackers becoming affordable in schools and clubs. Now, whether that's really got a real use, other than it's quite interesting, I don't know. I have purchased GPS trackers in the past for school. You know this. Um, and it, the data was interesting, but it was just way beyond anything personally I could do. Um, and it, it, needs, it needs to be, the data needs to be understood for it to be, uh, for it to be useful. And I think it needs to be understood and also needs to be applicable. Um, I'm not overly worried about my college rugby team's uh, training load or their accelerations and decelerations. 
Um, I don't have a strategy to take them off after 55 minutes if their top speeds are slightly down. Um, so I'm not sure that my GPSs measure that slow anyway. But um, So I think with all these things with technology, is it a gimmick? Does it have a real use? So there's, there's loads of technology out at the moment. What you know, you think about for the athlete, shoes, clothing, um, the the apps. Um, in terms of facilities-wise, there's swimming pools and um, swimming pools and tracks are getting better um, when it comes to swimming and athletics. Uh, are we going to focus more on personal here? Well, we could. It's an interesting one because, of course, we've had the whole sort of Nike shoe story in the last year or so. The next percents, the carbon fibre plates, the really stacked midsoles, the new phones, and that becomes an issue and a talking point. But nobody ever talks about track technology uh, improving every year. And we talk about not being able to compare uh, people's times in certain events. So, well, you can't compare Jesse Owens' time on a cinder track digging his starting blocks with a trowel to Usain Bolt's on a super hard Mondo track. Yeah, definitely. That's it's not it's not it's not worth it, is it? Yeah, but no one no one discounts Jesse Owens' amazing performance. What in fact is incredible about them is just how actually they stack up even today despite that. They do say that Usain Bolt would have beaten him, but only just. But uh, but only just, which is pretty impressive, isn't it? So yeah. I think. I do think that comparing eras is a pretty futile task anyway because we think of technology nowadays as being electronic but technology is all sorts of changes over the years from rubber which gives you tyres on a bicycle uh, to if you look at the Premier League football today people don't really realise that the way that Manchester City can play like they can is because pitch technology has improved so much. I mean, I, I remember the tight-fitting shirts coming out with the rugby, and we were the first um, first team in the league to, to wear them. And the first half of the season, we were breaking breaking game lines just for fun because people were grabbing our shirts and couldn't get hold of us. It was only when we came to the second half of the season where they'd actually learned to tackle legs that we then ended up you know, hitting the deck yeah. pretty hard very quickly. And people always laugh at early adopters, don't they? This is ridiculous. But you look at those tight shirts, they took off within about six months. Oh, it was, it was yeah, phenomenally quick. Yeah. So how important is shoe technology? Let's come back to that then uh, in the athlete performance. Is there, um, are, are there records being broken? Um, is there some data to prove that these shoes are, are taking us to another level of performance? I think this is one of the few times where it's been absolutely clear-cut um, where that technology has a huge effect on performance. If you think about football boots and rugby boots and tennis shoes, golf shoes, obviously manufacturers make claims about all sorts of things and how they can improve your performance. But nobody has ever said, I lost because that Lionel Messi is wearing better boots than Cristiano Ronaldo. The, <laughs> Maybe because the, the requirements of the sport are so different in terms of the fitness components, the skills, the techniques, the tactics. But that's what's interesting about the new running shoe technology is all things being equal to equally prepared athletes, with equal fitness testing scores, equal VO2 max scores, equal VVO2 max scores. 
if you put somebody in a Nike Alpha flight and you put somebody in a normal pair of running flats, the person in the Nike Alpha flies will run 4% better if they are a responder. And I think that's why it's become such an emotive issue. There's so many variables there. It's all, they must be in such controlled environments when they do these tests to be able to pinpoint it to that, that percent. And they have, obviously, because as we all know, manufacturers like to make outrageous uh, claims on behalf of their products. But they have tested the Nike shoes in laboratory conditions. And although I think some of that research is funded by Nike, it does appear unequivocal that they have that benefit. Some people don't respond because it does depend to some extent on your running gait. Yeah. But there's never, maybe it's because of the requirements of running. If you think about endurance running, it's much easier to quantify what you need uh, as opposed to a football player or a rugby player or a tennis player. Yeah. So I think that's why it really works in that case. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's a fair point. It's, you know, certainly, decision making is taken out of it, isn't it? And it, it's about the energy return um, of every step. And if you can if you can increase that, then surely you're you're saving energy, and then you're you're going further, faster, harder. That's it. If you're running at a certain pace and you're expending less energy than your opponent, you will win. Yeah. Um, now, I don't think you can ever turn back the clock, though. You can't uninvent something after it's been invented. I know they've tried to put sort of regulations on the sole stack height, the number of carbon fibre plates, and the biggest parallel is probably swimming, when the LZR suits first came out, <laughs> yeah. and swimming world records tumbled across the board. And while I think that that's an interesting story, and they did subsequently regulate I think the big difference there is that ultimately you don't see anybody down your local pool in their full speed OLZR banging out 50 lengths after work. Whereas you go and watch a 10K road race or a 5K participation road race, 60% of the people there will be wearing the new Nikes because that shoe business is just massive. Yeah. Is there an element of keeping up with the Joneses there? Absolutely, of course there is. That's subculture. Yeah, you stand next to somebody and they've got Nike Alpha Flyers and they beat you, what are you going to think? That subculture of wanting to be part of it, wanting to be part of the group, being accepted within that, showing that you have a serious side to you. Yeah, and they look cool. Let's not forget that. Yeah, they do look quite good. They do look quite good. So... I uh, we've we've mentioned it in the past about cycling and and how Dave Brailsford has um, gained that idea of marginal gains. There's loads of technology within cycling, um, and has been throughout the years. Um, is there anything interesting in there that's happening at the moment? How how important is that equipment? I thought the thing that fascinates me about cycling is that uh, there's a weight you can't have a bike that weighs less than six point eight kilograms which is fine, and they bore that in originally because they worried about bikes collapsing, going downhill at 100 kilometers an hour and things like that. But carbon fiber technology is now so good that yeah. actually you or I can go into a shop and buy a racing bike that weighs less than 6.8 kilograms, but a pro can't ride a bike that weighs less than that. Wow. Because the rules really just haven't kept up with the sort of manufacturing processes there are now. Weight is obviously a massive issue in cycling, particularly when you're cycling uphill. 
the less weight you have, the better. So it would seem obvious to sort of reduce the weight of the bike if you can. But yeah, it's restricted. Is it not up to the? Is it not the teams are going to come and complain about this? Are they? If they're not complaining about it, then that's why it's not being pushed. They do complain about it. Right. And then if you think about it as well from a certain point of view, if you've got a rider who weighs 75 kilos on a 6.8k bike, mm. it's actually vastly different from a rider who weighs 55 kilos on a 6.8 kilo bike. Mm. Um, so when you adjust for it in those sort of ways, it makes it sound even more ridiculous. But I think cycling, like running, you go out around where you live on a Saturday and Sunday, are there lots of middle-aged people on very expensive bikes cycling around? Yeah, I'm in Yorkshire. Yeah, we're we're the we're the capital of cycling in England. We are. Yeah, and these people again, they are. You see people who are overweight, middle-aged people spending seven thousand pounds on a bike with a you know carbon fiber seat peg and uh, carbon fiber forks, and you look at them and you just think you could have just lost a stone. It would have been a lot cheaper, wouldn't it? This is one of your your lessons in your A level, isn't it? The quickest way to get quick is to lose weight, not change the technique or get fitter. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, they'll sit there discussing 500-pound saddles. Um, <laughs> but we love this stuff. It's why do people upgrade their phones every two years? They don't need to. But it's that sort of consumerist society we live in, and we, we like doing things like that. We do, don't we? We do. Some governing bodies have put restrictions on technology. Has this worked? I think if you look at the swimming example, it has worked. They banned the suits. People stopped wearing them. They had to wear the new regulation suits. At times, went down again. I personally not sure it really worked in terms of swimming as a sport because you could very clearly have had world records prior to the LZR suits, world records after those, and that would have enabled you to do some sort of comparison. I think. Um, I don't think you can stop technology happening. It's a natural human thing to try and make things better. And if somebody can make something that's better and more efficient, why would you not do it? Otherwise, the only bike you'd be allowed to use in the Tour de France would be a penny farthing or something like that, wouldn't it? So. <laughs> I mean, swimming don't seem to have an issue with records. Every time Adam Peaty gets in the water, he's broken a record. I've, I've, no, I just can't really understand that. It just as you say, it happens every time. Is that the swimming pool? Is it the suit? Or is it just that Adam Peaty's really good at swimming? I don't think anybody really minds because they just look at Adam Peaty and go, he's great at doing the breaststroke. Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, he should be doing front crawl. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> I think we've talked about that one. <laughs> we have. <laughs> I mean, the swimming pool technology was was amazing. Like you said, how do you, if you're going to make if you can make something better, make it better. Yeah. If it's not damaging we make anyone. Bike better. Um, we we try and make everything better. We make bikes better than they used to be. Um, you think about Chris Boardman and his Superman position. Yeah. Is uh, the, how well he did at the Barcelona Olympics, that position, that bike subsequently got banned. But it, it doesn't seem to me natural to ban things that make sport better. You've still got to be really good at riding the bike to ride it in that position. If everybody had a bike riding in that position, it would still be the best cyclist who won. I mean, I was thinking earlier when we we just when we had this topic, and I thought, what are, what are we trying to achieve through sport, especially top level sport? And the word spectacular comes into mind. We're always looking for the spectacular, something amazing that just goes, oh wow! I just 
and you, you kind of dream about doing it or you think, oh, I wish I could do that. By stopping the technology, surely we're stopping that. I mean, I was watching the cricket earlier and the bats they're using these days. And when that new ball came on and the Indian batsman threw his bat at it and the sound that came off it, obviously there was limited noise because there was limited crowd, but the sound that came off that bat was amazing. I was like, that's, that's huge. And it, it is. It's, and it is how it should be. You can't go around going, right, we've already used bats from the 1920s or bats like WG Grace. Things change, sport changes. And as you say, sport to exist and be relevant in the modern world needs to embrace technology just like every other field of life has. It's part of engaging younger generation because we live in a, a technological age. Um, is it helping to engage the youngsters, you feel? I think it does. I don't think you can argue that it doesn't. Um, I'm 50. I'm dubious about the use of some forms of technology, and that's an age thing. Um, I have just bought some GPS trackers for college, so we can do performance analysis for A-level and uh, B-tech sport, not so that I can see how slow the rugby team are. Um, <laughs> Let's say they're they, not listening. They enjoy things like that, and it's nice to be able to show them sort of data that's a bit more granular than we have. They're used to using apps on their phones. Um, you have to sort of be aware of the market you're dealing with. Well, a lot of them hopefully will go on to sports fields and... Um in their in their careers and you've got to prepare them for the, for this if they if they suddenly you've got to stop watching we do a 30 meter sprint and they go into the big wide world and what's a light gate then yeah. that that's not helping them is it no it's not and there are at the school level that i'm at we can afford timing gates um we can afford the old piece of technology but i will only buy technology that i'm pretty sure will be used yeah I think that is one of the dangers of technology is the amount of stuff that gets invented, which doesn't necessarily have a use but looks fancy. Is there a piece of technology that springs to mind when you talk like that? Um, I do think that the use of GPS at sort of grassroots level, it looks fantastic. But the whole point of GPS data is you can set individualised training programmes you can look at whether there's possible injuries likely to occur, so you can set rehab programs and prehab programs for that. None of those applies when you've got a team once a week, when you should just be fundamentally focusing on basics um, and getting them to be more skillful, more thoughtful players and showing them their GPS stats really doesn't help very much. That's fair enough. Are there any other sports uh, with regulation issues at the moment? I think if we go back to the Nike shoe, it's interesting how much the IAAF new regulations on shoes in road races almost exactly fit the profile of the Nike Next Percents. It just shows how important they are to these international federations. Without their support, without their money, they would actually struggle to run the events that they do. And I think the other place where that's quite clear is in golf. Another sport where the equipment manufacturers just make an awful lot of money where there are wealthy people who are happy to throw money at something that claims that it will mean they can drive five meters five yards further they will never hit a hook again um, you've got a hybrid club the ball will always go in the air and over that lake 
yet you look at the average golf handicap and uh, there is some conjecture on this. I don't think it's changed in the last 50 years at the sort of grassroots level, despite these amazing bits of technology we have. Wow. And then we've got, of course, the fact that a lot of modern golf courses are becoming obsolete to to the world's best players who can hit the ball so far. Um, some of that is a strength and conditioning thing. You look at Bryson DeChambeau, he's got some pretty big muscles on him. Clearly, that's going to help him hit the ball further. Yeah. And, but what do you do? Do you just accept that? Do you put tees back? Um, do you try and regulate the technology? It's a difficult argument to really know what would happen there. It's a difficult one in the golf because I don't know. I don't know if I'm that bothered if they hit it very far. It's not the. It, it's the fine shot, the what the finishing shot that gets that gets the excitement. All right, it's great to see the the guy swing the club as far as he, as hard as he can, and as fast as he can. And it is amazing how straight it goes and the control they have over that distance. But it's that one that lands near the pin that gets me, and it, and the control they have once it hits the green. Yeah, and I think if it was as simple as just seeing the ball miles from Bryson DeChambeau, we win every tournament, wouldn't we? Yeah, but, but he doesn't. So. Do you regulate the technology? Is there any point in regulating technology? It doesn't fundamentally change the game. And I think we also always need to realise that the sport we see professionals playing is vastly different than the sport that normal people play. (laughs) So you're regulating it for the professionals, but why not take one shot off your average score if you're just somebody like Scout on a Sunday? Why not spend your money on something like that if you want to? And why should you stop people doing that? Yeah, fair enough. And it, and it keeps the economy going as well. Keeps the economy going, definitely does. <laughs> okay, so um, how much of an effect does, does technology have at, at grassroots level, do you think? We touched on it a little bit earlier. I think its biggest effect is on sort of mass participation events. And the biggest thing I think has made a difference is Strava. Yeah. I, my wife is obsessed with Strava. She won't go for a run without logging it on Strava, looking at it afterwards, seeing where she is on who's run the fastest up various hills in Winchester. And I sometimes wonder what people did before that was Strava. Um, did they just not go for runs? Um, but if it is, although I'm a little bit sniffy about it, because to me, you just put your trains on and go for a run. Um, it's no big deal to run 10K. It's just a normal thing to do. But if it is motivating people and it is getting people out there, then that's a good thing, isn't it? I, definitely, I think it's a good thing that, that more people are running. I think that's one of the good things that's happened with COVID is you know, you can't buy a, a bike for love nor money at the moment because everybody's bought one. Are they using it? I don't know. I hope so. Are people running a lot more? Yes, I think so. Um, but did Parkrun have a, have a say in that beforehand? How, what was the effect on their... Um, is that a coincidence that they both appeared at the same time? Yeah, we see Eden Park Run, which again is an absolute phenomenon, um, and it's done an amazing job in raising people's activity levels. They say it's a non-competitive run, of course, but it's timed. It's microchip timed. Yeah. So people do come home, and they do log where they are and who they beat and what ranking they are for their local park run. So... That, again, is an example of technology probably working positively at the grassroots. Is that not more competition with oneself, though? I 
think people will always say that it is just competition with oneself, but when you, as soon as you start seeing people look at where they are on the table, it's gone beyond that, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'm guilty of the, the segments um, on Strava, and yeah, I've got a couple of top top five finishes in certain segments, which I'm I'm keen to, to keen to get into the top three. I can't see myself being the top, but. Uh, yeah, when you create your own segments, you can... <laughs> when you create your own segments, you can, you can talk yeah. very briefly until somebody else decides they're going to do it. Exactly. Um, I do worry about uh, on the bike, though, and does that push me to go a little bit further on a public road with other cars and other people around? Um, and I'm a little bit less competitive on the, on the segments on a bike than I am in, on, when I'm running. Because of the safety aspect of it. Yeah, but maybe that's because I'm a little bit older. But I can see younger, younger, keener cyclists really pushing yeah. it, and, and actually, then that you know, I don't want to run over somebody who's sliding on their backside around a corner yeah. just because they could beat a segment. And you don't uh, cycle along staring at your power meter like Chris Froome all the time and not being aware of what's going on around you. No, exactly. Um, but no, I do think that certainly that that kind of technology has helped quite clearly motivate people to be more active. And you see that, I think, with gym equipment now as well, um, which sort of links to the app on your phone and you can see what weight you had last time on the machine, yeah. what weight you could have this time and you can track your progress that way. Mm. And again, I see that as relatively gimmicky because I never needed that. But if it's working for people, fair play. We both work in schools, Andy, and we've worked in clubs. Um, use various amounts of technology. Are there any? Is there any uh, maybe gap in the market um, within education that you can see? I don't think there's anything in particular that I would want that I feel would make the boys and girls I have at college better sports people. I think if you've got quality coaching and reasonable facilities, that should be enough. You should be prepared to film some of your sessions, which I think is easy enough to do that because most people's phones actually work so well at doing things like that. So I don't think there's a real gap. It is important that we do show our students sort of modern technologies, modern performance modern performance analysis technologies so they've got an idea of them when they go on to university. But I don't think there's one piece of technology that would change anything. Is there anything you'd buy or want in your establishment? All I really want, and I guess it is technology, but it's not fancy technology, is there's some amazing temporary building solutions now to cover outdoor practical space, yeah. which enables you to do it cheaply and effectively. And that would probably increase my participation numbers and my ability to, to offer decent quality practical sessions to people. So that's more about the facility than, than overall performance, really. Just make it a bit yes. more comfortable for people. Uh, ultimately, the more people we can get being active, the better at our level. Yes, it's a, it's a nice place to be. I think we're all trying to do that within education, certainly at the moment, trying to get people active and, uh, and make it happen. So, Ollie, um, you're a man who's far more technologically aware than I am. What's the one thing you've used over the last sort of 10 years in your coaching, in your practice that you found the most useful? I've tried to be as creative as I can with my coaching and it hasn't always been about technology, but the 
probably the one bit of technology that I've was really excited about it coming was the was like a attack wall, but it was a new age one um, where it wasn't fixed to the wall, and you had lots of different um, modular lights that you could put in different places. It was transferable across loads and loads of different sports, um, and just that just. We, we used it with um, with hockey, um, and we, we set up two courses, um, and as the stick, went, as you put the ball round the light, the stick turned the light off. Um, there was two courses, they were racing each other, but you could hear the kids that were just waiting for their turn talking about changing direction, talking about uh, reducing their uh, their body height um, and and their... Uh, their steps, how how they were going to shorten their steps before they, you know, and, and lower their centre of gravity before they change direction to try and speed things up. And you just think, wow, that's amazing. How cool is that? that? That those kids are already, you know, I'm not asking the questions; they're figuring it out themselves. It's just the environment they're in and the way that they've been captured by this this good fun game um, that's allowed them to think in this way. Um, but I don't think, uh, certainly at grassroots level, I don't think there's any substitute for good quality coaching. And I don't think it necessarily needs um, lots and lots of really expensive technology. No, I sometimes think that things that are really important if you want grassroots to be better are warm, clean changing rooms, warm, clean showers. That would probably benefit more clubs than uh, any types of fancy technology. With the system you've just talked about there, so rather than laying out an agility course where you're going, you're going to run there, you're going to run there, you're going to run there, it is randomised, so you are having to react. Uh, yeah, you can set it to either. So you could set it to random, or you could set it and have a have a. Um, if you wanted it to be standardised, then you could have a pattern. Um, if you had the two courses, so that it was equal on both sides, um, or you had a test where. Um, you wanted to retest them in two weeks' time, um, then yeah, you could you could you could uh, standardise it that way. Okay, good. I'm not a fan of these pre-planned agility courses. You say? Oh no, no. But but other than that, you could have it randomised. It's not a it's not an issue. Um, yeah. I mean, we had a we had a golf academy at, um, that we me and um, the guy I employed to to run it. Um, it. It was full of technology that golf studio absolutely full of technology and it was amazing but it allowed the kids um, to train all year round um, in a really engaging environment where they could get feedback instantly um, that allowed them to develop their golf swing and I think the complexities of golf swing are such that it does it lends itself well to proper biomechanical analysis yeah I mean how many how much feedback are you going to get from from hitting into a net that's that's four meters away from you? Yeah, you're not. You'll get a feel off the club, but do you remember it? Can you see it? We we know that people want to get different types of feedback all the time, um, and and certainly that was that was an exciting um, environment to be in if you wanted to develop your golf. Is there anywhere, Andy, that you feel? Um, technology could be used to improve um, performances at the top level? I know that certainly in baseball they use these things called edutronic cameras which enable pitchers in particular to really break down the mechanics of the balls they throw which has enabled them to really design new pitches and it's also really enabled them to work out which ones there's 
a pitcher will favour a certain ball because they feel that that's the one that works. Mm. And actually, by working with these cameras, they've begun to realise that it's not often that case. And that has changed the way that pitchers train, how they select pitches. Um, I'm presuming that that technology is in cricket already, right. or it will soon be in cricket. Yeah, these things have a way of filtering around, don't they? I mean, I like the fact that F1 is is hugely um, technological um, and anything that gets invented there, if it works, tends to filter down to making our cars safer on the road. I love that. Um, yeah. and, and that seems like a good use of technology, although they do sometimes, again, try and stifle it, but normally for safety reasons. Um, I mean, we were talking the other day about pitches, as in football pitches, and when London Irish were uh, playing at the Medeski Stadium, it, it, it was always a good pitch, it was always a good track to run on. Um, now, there are other 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 grounds that aren't so advanced. Um, do you think they need to be improved, or do you think it, the history and the tradition is there that it should stay like that? No, I do think that rugby on a firm, well-drained track is fundamentally better than rugby on a swamp. And it is disappointing when you look at some Premiership rugby games, particularly I noticed the other day at King's Home where the pitch just, in my opinion, is not up to standard. Obviously, Bath have got issues. Theirs isn't up to standard. But you are limited in the way that you can play. If every grassroots football pitch was as good as the Etihad Stadium, you could play in a beautiful possession-style way. But you can't play like that on a pitch that's all bobbly and bumpy. You, you do need the players, though, as well. You can't just have a nice pitch. <laughs> but I think the problem that coaches make is that they, and it's a similar thing with technology as well, they think that they'll copy what they see on the television with the people they've got at the grassroots, forgetting that there are certain things that you need. You need a quality of player, you need a quality of equipment to be able to do that quality of pitch. Yeah, which is what makes the FA Cup so exciting when your top-level club goes to three or four leagues down, it's just not the same environment, is it? No, and it's interesting when they have to play on a 3G and they complain about that as well, don't they, because the ball doesn't roll as well. Well, that's it. Should all rugby be played on a 3G then? You get a nice surface, consistent surface then? Um, yeah, and then there'll be obviously people concerned about the burns that come from playing on a 3G. Didn't have them in my time, but I've seen some of the lads walk off with some horrendous burns. Yeah. So, with conclusion, what have we got here? Conclusion, technology's got its place and you can't stop it. All right, so, so let it go, but uh, keep it at the top end and use it, use it wisely at the bottom end. Yeah, and never forget that people are interested in it. It actually brings in spectators. It doesn't turn them away. Yeah, fair enough. Andy, as a, you know, another good chat with you. Um, appreciate your time. And... Um, and your thoughts, I know we come from different, maybe slightly different ends of the spectrum with the technology, um, but it's nice to see you're, you're embracing it and videoing your, your students for all the right reasons. Um, next topic, what are we thinking? Next topic, um, we might look at physical literacy and how you engender that in young athletes. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Very topical at the moment, very good. We'll, we'll go with that one then. We will go with that one. How's your fantasy um, league going on? Fantasy league, yeah, I had a good first game on Saturday and a pretty poor second game, didn't I? 
<laughs> I, didn't, I didn't analyze it. I'm sorry, I had a decent Saturday and a poor Sunday. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. There's technology for us. It's, it's, it's keeping us together while we're watching a, a game, even though we're a few hundred miles away from each other. I think I finally worked out the strategy and what you need to do anyway. I won't ask you to share it. <laughs> no, I'm going to make a big comeback this week. I look forward to it. Cheers, Andy. We'll speak to you soon. Yeah, cheers, Holly.